Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is David Schlafer calling in. Well, hello. Good afternoon, David. What a pleasure and an honor it is to speak with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, and it's uh, really a pleasure for me to speak with you uh, as well. Well, okay, let's jump right in here. Uh, your latest book, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly, The the Heir of the Lemenkanen. Am I close or what? You, you are very close, and I'll give you major points for that because it's a, it's a difficult word, uh, The Heir of Lemenkanen, so uh, very close. Okay. Well, I was, I've been trying to practice. I said, am I practicing and not still getting the point here? But thank you for <laughs> correcting me. Well, David, you have such a, I, I can just see, I could talk to you for hours. You are such a fascinating and well-versed and multi-talented person. You are a best-selling author. You are a, a diplomat and just an overall citizen of the world, having lived all over the world. But I'll get to the rest of that. But let's get with, back with the book. Give me your summary of exactly what your latest book is about. I understand it is part of a series. Absolutely. So the series is called The Far Northern Land Saga. It's a trilogy, and this is the second book in the trilogy. Uh, the name of the first book is The Mark of the Bear Clan. So that's a little bit easier oh, for yes. people to remember or for people to, to look up. Um, and it's a fantasy uh, a trilogy, uh, an epic fantasy trilogy that is based in the world of a Finnish folklore, and myth. I had an opportunity uh, to live in Finland for many years to study the Finnish language for an entire year, uh, which was quite a unique experience for a non-Finn, and to really delve into that world. Uh, Finnish myth and folklore is completely different from uh, Norse folklore. So, you know, we all know uh, Norse folklore and figures like Thor and Loki and Odin uh, so many fantasy books are basically set in that world. We have all the films that have come out recently, but very, very few people are aware that the Finnish language is a completely separate linguistic group, uh, that Finnish myth is completely separate. Uh, it is an entire world with its own mythical you know, races and creatures, its own magic system, um, and we know about all of this now. Uh, because of uh, a series of, of poems, uh, of oral stories and oral traditions that were basically sung or chanted and that were passed down in Finland all the way back from the Iron Age, which is like eight, 900 A.D. or so, all the way till the 19th century, when they were finally written down for the very first time. Uh, they were compiled in a book called the Kalevala, um, and that book uh, had a really major impact upon Finnish identity and eventually upon Finnish independence, breaking away from Russia. And so my series is about that. My series is inspired by that. It is set in this world of Finnish myth and folklore. Uh, the main character is uh, she's just a, a, a little girl, just a child in the first book. Uh, she grows throughout the trilogy to become a young woman. Uh, she becomes a magic user, a shaman. Uh, which was a really big part of Finnish tradition um, and, and really developed this incredible sense of, of destiny, uh, dealing with her own hopes and desires and this, this struggle that is taking place in Finland uh, in the far northern land uh, during this period. 
Um, and so very, very unique. Uh, there have only been a handful of fantasy books that have touched at the edges of this finished myth. Uh, and after spending so much time there and really falling in love with it, I really wanted to make a contribution to fantasy literature uh, and introduce people to this uh, incredible uh, set of tales and stories that are so cool. Now, how are uh, American fans and readers, avid readers, how are they taking to this series? Because as you well know, it seems like America, we just love our Harry Potter fantasy type series. So what about this one? What yours? Yeah, so I've gotten a lot of really positive feedback. Um, I get lots of questions on my website, uh, which is just davidschlafer.com, uh, from people uh, who have, uh, have uh, read the first book in particular, and now a few questions as the second book has just been launched. Um, I think it's a really positive reception. They've got a lot of questions. They definitely want to learn more, uh, especially about the, the magic system that the Finns had, which is all based upon songs. All of their, you know, their spells that are incantations were basically uh, sung by, by shamans and wizards. I think people find that really fascinating. Um, now, when I wrote the book, when I wrote the series, I, I did go for something that I really like in fantasy, which is a really heavy uh, patina, let's say, of realism in terms of the, you know, description of the way that people would have lived eight, nine hundred A.D. slash and burn agriculture, you know, the types of blacksmithing that they would have engaged in, um, and you know, some of that is a little dense, uh, and I know some readers have questions about that. There is a lot of finish in there. I did insert some language and names, just like the name of the book that you asked about, Lemminkainen, who, who's a historical figure from, from Finnish mythology. Uh, but I think people really like it. They really love it. it. It's one of the last uncharted territories, let's say, of, uh, of European legend uh, for, uh, for the fantasy world. Uh, and uh, it's a neat thing, and I think people are, are really getting into it and really reacting to that. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you are such a, a citizen of the world, having lived in, my goodness, Tokyo and Hong Kong, Rio, Bucharest, Mexico, Russia, just Finland. My goodness, it's just amazing. But I do understand that you uh, were recently in uh, the Ukraine. So tell us about your uh, your visit there and uh, what is you give us your eyes view of boots on the ground, so to speak, of being right there in the midst of all of this this turmoil. Yeah, it was. Uh, it is a very tragic uh, thing that has happened. Um, obviously. Um, so uh, I am a foreign service officer, and I was uh, assigned, and, and still am assigned, uh, to the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. Mm -hmm. So I was there uh, in Kiev. I was part of the last group of American diplomats that left the capital right before hostilities began. Uh, we moved first to western Ukraine uh, to a city called Lviv, which has been in the news a lot. Um, and then after that, we went ahead and moved across the border and were working in Poland uh, at the Polish border. Um, it was a very sad experience, uh, a really surreal experience, uh, leaving Kiev, you know, uh, in the middle of the night, just packing whatever we could uh, in order to get out of the city quickly, leaving everything else behind working along the border, working with the refugees, uh, in my case, that were 
streaming across the Polish border, uh, tens of thousands of people waiting in line sometimes, almost all women and children, you know, again, with whatever worldly possessions they could carry with them, uh, total uncertain future. Um, if you could have put these images in black and white, they would have looked like 1945, right? That would have looked like something out of the Second World War. Um, it was uh, it was really sad, but uh, you know I know I speak for all my colleagues who are are still there, and I'm I'm about to go back actually in about one week, uh, and I will return uh, to our, uh, our our post there. Um, you know we're all just absolutely committed and dedicated to helping the Ukrainians get through this. Um, I think we are all surprised, but in a wonderful way, uh, the way that Ukraine has been able to resist this yes. Russian aggression militarily. Um, and we're all committed to helping Ukraine rebuild on the other side of this. And, you know, I am confident that the Ukrainians are going to come out victorious. Uh, but, but, but it is a tragedy, Janice. As you well know, so many people killed. We, we, we've only begun to scratch the surface, probably of how many civilian casualties there are uh, and how some of these cities, like the city of Mariupol in the south, look like Stalingrad now, basically. Um, it, it's a horrible situation, and, uh, you know, my heart just goes out to the Ukrainian people so much, but the United States stands behind them. The whole international community really does, uh, and, and we're all committed to working with them to rebuild that, that wonderful nation. I saw a... a a couple of weeks ago, I saw a video clip uh, from a European news outlet, and it showed some uh, an orphanage there in some parts of the Ukraine. And just to see the little children, it just broke my heart to see these little orphans. And oh, war is hell. That's all I can say. It's, it is. It really, it really is. is. It's really a, really a terrible thing. It really is. So, uh, lastly, on this particular topic, uh, what can people do to, what can, you know, just regular people like me and us, what can we do to, to try to help uh, these people, or if, or if at all? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and, and that's actually the field that, that I deal in. I was the senior assistance coordinator uh, in Kiev. Uh, before all this happened, um, and I think that one of the best things that people can do is to to look at the major international relief organizations. You know, organizations like the Red Cross, uh, and there are uh, other organizations such as World Central Kitchen, uh, and uh, you know, you can look up online and very easily find half a dozen that are involved in humanitarian assistance. Uh, you know, bringing food into the region and basic medical supplies. And I think that at this point, those big international organizations that work in the assistance sphere, they're always looking for donations, uh, and, and that's always a good place to start. You can go to the State Department website, too, um, and you'll be able to find very easily just with a quick search uh, a page on Ukraine, and there is a list uh, of organizations on there as well. Some of the same ones I just cited, but, but several others. Um, and I think that those are great things for people that just want to, uh, uh, to do something. I, I, I kind of discourage people from contributing in kind, meaning like, uh, you know, some very well-intentioned people will put together a canned food drive or something like that because it's very difficult to get that kind of stuff, you know, to Ukraine at this point. It's difficult to transport it you know, to get it to Europe, to get it across the border. Um, a, a, a modest financial donation will probably wind up 
uh, uh, doing uh, more good in, in the short term than a well-intentioned donation, uh, but that's a donation of something physical, so to speak. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Coming from a person who is directly a, an insider, a diplomat, you can't get any more insight than that, than uh, your position. Uh, let me go back to your book for a, a minute here. Uh, has there been talk by maybe some European filmmakers to turn any of your books into films or uh, web series or streaming uh, movies or videos or anything of that nature? Well, I hope so, and I'm going to say yes to those offers. <laughs> okay. But um, I, I think that uh, I think they would really uh, adapt themselves very well to other media. Um, the third book, uh, which will be coming out later this year, hopefully in the fall, okay. uh, and they'll all be released at that point, um, uh, I think will be a, uh, a fairly big release, and I'm hoping that at that point with the entire story out, uh, some of the things that you just talked about might be a real possibility, and uh, I think it would be, uh, um, again, very well received, very adaptable to that kind of uh, media, uh, and again, just something really cool for people that are fantasy fans, uh, because this, this Finnish world is still uh, very, uh, a very new world, uh, and the characters uh, are still very new, uh, and it's a lot of fun to discover something in the, you know, the high fantasy realm that just hasn't been talked about or written about a lot. Um, and that's a neat thing to be a part of. I can see these uh, your books uh, being transferred into uh, high-tech animation, avatars, and all of that. It would just be beautiful. Yeah, I, I've thought about that quite a bit. I think it would lend itself really, really well to animated uh, treatment. So um, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and uh, maybe in another year or two, you are so welcome to come back to uh, celebrate all of that. And lastly, I'm going to go back to um, your travels here. Now, you said you're going to return to Ukraine in about a week. Can you give us some insight as to what you will be doing in those efforts? Absolutely. So uh, a, a core of people from our embassy that was in Kiev are in Poland, uh, and we're working now in Poland, not that far from the Polish border continuing to do everything that we were doing before, uh, working with Ukrainian authorities, uh, working on for assistance issues, humanitarian assistance, civilian security assistance. We still have many local employees, of course, that work for our embassy. You know, they're still in Ukraine, and we're still in touch with them every single day, uh, working on these types of issues. So we've never stopped doing what we were doing in Kiev, uh, even though we did have to relocate. So I will join that team, uh, and I will continue to work primarily in the assistance field, getting into Ukraine the things that the Ukrainians need right now uh, in their hour of need. And lastly, can you give us uh, information, website, email address, social media, as to how we can reach out to you? Yes, absolutely. So a really good way to do that is to go to my website, because you can leave messages directly there. Um, and I can email you back. Okay. And, again, uh, that is uh, davidschlafer.com. My last name is S-C-H-L-A-E-F-E-R, Schlafer, like Schaefer, but with an L in there just to confuse everyone. <laughs> uh, and davidschlafer.com, uh, you can read some about the books on my website. Uh, it has the direct links, of course, to, you know, Amazon, et cetera. 
um, and uh, you can leave messages there, and that is where I respond to and communicate with fans on some of these questions that you asked about earlier. Uh, so I would love to uh, to hear from folks. Wonderful. Well, David, thank you so much. You're a very, very busy man, international globetrotter, doing some wonderful work in the creative industry as well as in the political industry as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure, Janice. A lot of fun. Okay. Thank you again. And look to have you come back on when the next set of books go into animation or avatar world. I appreciate it. I'd love to. Thank you. Okay. Take care then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.